Once upon a time, two men decided if they were making the cut. And then they made the cut. And now JT and Aaron are talking everything from wrestling to pop culture and beyond. Because it's no holds barred. Will you back down, turn and run? Or stand up with the best? It's no hold board. What's that smell? My, my product of my semen. <laughs> Couldn't even get that out. <laughs> Straight face. <laughs> There's so much weird shit with that McMahon family. Like, uh, that is a lot. We're well, right down to him firing his daughter now. Like that's the whole thing, I guess. So, does he, why did he fire her? Do we know? Um, I, mean, I don't think it's come out yet. There's a lot of rumors. Team. Okay, what are the rumors? Well, like, well, Triple H took that leave. Um, I, I figured it was due to like his heart, but then there's rumors. Uh, well, then it was that Stephanie was stepping away. And then there were rumors going around that they were getting divorced. And now it's like saying that she was let go. So I don't really know what's going on. I, I don't. There was rumors that the family was maybe siding with Triple H actually in this whole thing. <laughs> so like I don't know the whole deal, but I've seen like all kinds of stuff all over the place. Do you think Vince just found out she fucked Randy Savage? <laughs> Son of a bitch. What? <laughs> the guy from Spider Man? <laughs> oh, man. What a fucked up family. Like, he's, has he fired his son twice now? No, his son left the first time, right? I think so, yeah. I think he fired him once at least. But, like, why, why is he firing his son? What's wrong with his son, too? Why does he hate his family? They're just big disappointments. Like, he's for sure mad at NXT for losing to AEW, right? That's like the biggest thing. Like I, I think the biggest mistake, if Triple H could go back and make a change in his life, it may be not to run head to head with, with AEW. I wonder if that was his call. Probably not, but maybe he would have fought it. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine it just dominoes and ruins his life. Like you know, like as much as I shit on Triple H for like you know his wrestling career. I think his running of NXT was I was really enjoying that product until they went head to head. And it'd be funny if that was his downfall. Well, he also seems like a genuinely good like father and like family guy. You know what I mean? Like right. so it's like it kind of you know, like sucks to see it all crumble on him. I know there's a lot of Schadenfreude, is that how you say it? About it. Um But anyway, you left me hanging on that one. Should I left you hanging? Mm-hmm. Well, no, you pronounced it, and I listened. Was it? Did I pronounce it correctly? I don't know. I'm not German. Oh, you, you're not German either. Although you're not, no, you do you have any German blood? No, I do. I had relatives that lived in Germany, but it was uh, through like marriage. So I see. Although your people were allied with Germany, only for a time. Right, 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 right. My people surrendered to Germany. So bunch of pussies. Fucking. The Arc de Triomphe. Yeah. 
I was trying to think of what it was, but I could not. It would not come to my brain quick enough that Tony Soprano said the uh, when they went on and on about the Italians being uh, discriminated against. <laughs> he said like they were the. Uh, I do know, like, they used the mob a, a lot, right, for the, uh, like, when they first came over to help protect different stuff. So, Are you referring to anyway. the Americas or? The Americans in America. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. I think my favorite mention of um, Italian culture in, well, there's a lot of it in, in The Sopranos, is when they were, I think they were beating the crap out of a Hasidic Jewish man. And the city, yes. this Jewish guy said, what happened to your empire? And he was like, you're looking at it. You're looking at it, pal. <laughs> I love the, uh, my favorite is, I know it's like Pan is like the worst episode or whatever, but the Columbus Day one. Um, at the end, when Silvio's riding with Tony, and, you know, and Tony's like, he tells him like, you're calling Frankie Valley, right? To to meet with the, the Indian chief or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Silvio's still complaining. And he goes, you could tell, basically he's totally exasperated is what I hear anymore. He goes, tell it to Valley <laughs> that it ends. <laughs> it's like the last line of the episode. It's like the delivery is so perfect. He's like, you could tell it to Valley. I don't want to hear it anymore. <laughs> Did you ever Just watch the idea of Silvio having to call Frankie Valley <laughs> to like bitch about <laughs> anti-Frankie. <laughs> and then Frankie Valley was in the show. Frankie Valley's a national treasure. Do you ever see the musical about him? No. Oh, it's great. Uh, Jersey Boys. Oh, that was him? That's right. I knew that. What am I saying? I have not seen it, but yes, I did know that. Okay. I, I didn't see the Clint Eastwood movie. N- not that, I mean, if I was going to like st- um, do a movie musical, Clint Eastwood might be the furthest guy I would choose to put it together. Hmm. But um, the stage show is really cool. Well, all right. I'll have to check it out. And it's a crying shame they didn't get Joe fucking Pesci to do the movie. That means nothing to you, I'm sure. But they talk a lot about how Joe Pesci started the group, The Four Seasons. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Maybe he didn't want. Maybe he just wanted to be in that Irishman movie, and that's it. Right. Well, he's Irish, so. Joe Pesci? Yeah. 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 I was told my grandmother looked like Joe Pesci and my grandmother. Your grandmother? Yes, looked like Joe Pesci. Did she talk like Joe Pesci? <laughs> a little bit. Did right she down to like the little pursed lips. <laughs> Did she ever like ask you if she you thought she was funny? No. No. That's a shame. She did ask me about the Utes a lot. Oh, okay. Well, you gotta you have to beware those Utes. Once a month here on the show, we are cracking through our greatest WWE ever project lists we did this five years ago at placenation.com revisiting it five years later aaron and i had a list that we each submitted at that time we have taken that list and back in december of 2021 we went through and made some changes based on the information in our hands at that time and said here's what our list would be if it was submitted today we are going through that list monthly on the show with the full disclosure that that list has changed for both of us quite a bit already uh, but this is the list that we're going through 10 in each month is the the one that we pieced together in December. I think at the end of the year, we'll take a minute and we'll kind of go through our revisions. But for now, we're working through uh, our December 21 list. Any addendums there? No, I just, you know, it couldn't be more different. The the trick with this is that, like, I have to keep going off the list I made, like, six months ago because my current list has changed so much. 
So it's like, oh my God, like, right. if I, are we going to keep going? Am I going to go over the wrong guy? Am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? So yeah, like this is, this is, this has been a really interesting recap of all this for me. And I'm always astounded about how much my list changes merely month to month by either thinking about things or, or watching a certain show or even just a certain period. So yeah. And the period I'm going through now is, uh, the 90, the eighties MSGs. And like, so a lot of guys are getting that little preferred bump because of that or dump bump or dump that does seem to happen a lot like you said i think it's uh wherever you're at as a fan at that time is probably going to get a little preferential treatment because funny enough in 2017 when we did this first pass of this list i was knee deep in that era that you're talking about uh because scott i had just started the reboot of place to be podcast where we're doing the 80s msgs so I felt like my list at that time was different than yours. And I had a lot of guys like, you know, Harley race and, you know, you know, whoever, right? like guys like that. Um, and I think they were like nowhere near your list. So it'd be interesting to see how many of those guys now suddenly show up on yours and maybe how many fade from mine a bit, because I've maybe saw a bunch of other stuff that I prefer. So for sure. And it's really interesting too, with all of this in how the criteria has shifted for my list. I don't know if you're feeling that too. Like I, I would say last, last time at five years ago, mm-hmm. I'm sure if you go back and listen to the audio we did for that, a lot of the time, I'm sure I was saying things like, where's the great match. Oh yeah, definitely. Right. And now it's a lot more like, Hmm, like these are, a, this is a slew of great moments. Right. So like, well, I remember think- you grilling me on guys from the eighties, like, like, all right, well, what are the matches? Where are they? You know? And I'd be like, well, they had a good house show match here and there on MSG and you're, you know, you're kind of like, where is it? You know, like where, where are they? You're right. That's that was, it. Yeah. And it's funny because even now when I'm, when I'm watching them, like, I mean, look, a guy like, so I, we're not going to talk about him for a while, but a guy like Piper, right. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, okay, where the, we know there's the Bret Hart match. We like, you know, the big main events on pay-per-view, but that doesn't seem that many matches. But then you go back and you watch those MSGs and it it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that he doesn't have great matches. Right. Like, and and that, that being said, most of the matches he does have are either good or very good. But it doesn't matter. It's it, For me, this list this time really feels – and maybe I'm going to contradict that tonight. Uh, but mm-hmm. it, it often feels like it's um, just how guys feel as relates to how important they are to the business tends to and and it almost makes it more subjective but that's a that's an argument not an argument but a discussion uh ryan gray and i were having not too long ago because he keeps he kept saying something along the lines of um you got to look at this objectively and i the more i dig into this i don't think that's possible right because i mean you're judging an artistic form and that's never objective right your preferences is gonna be different i think we tried to manage that a bit with the um njpw system right yeah where we kind of bucketed it there but even then you're still going to have like a preference to one of those over the other to your point right so like for you what you're saying this time around is jump up moments is going to mean way more the work rate potentially yeah jump up moments in character and work rate i mean it's important like i'm sure mm-hmm. it's, it'll, it'll it'll end up being a deciding factor but like if you have one of the greatest matches of all time that's going to count for something if you have like 50 four star matches that I can't remember, it it's probably less important. All right. Well, why don't we dive in? Uh, since January, we did some honorable mentions. 
And we worked our way through our list all the way up to number 60 is where we're going to start tonight. And uh, I'm going to go first because I think I have a very interesting one. I'm curious okay. to see. Uh, and I don't remember if we've already discussed this uh, person on your list yet or not. So if we did, I apologize. Okay. But my number 60 is Sensational Sherry. Have we talked about her yet? So I brought her up at um, my – she was sitting at my 74. But mm-hmm. uh, we decided to save her because you said you had, it, had her higher. Okay. Well, I do. And she's at 60. So this is someone that definitely moved up a lot for me. Uh by digging into that era on the place to be podcast, because what I learned was she was every bit. And I know it's been talked about, but it is real. Like she is every bit as much of the package with macho King as macho King is like, she is active there in every match. It, they almost wrestle like a tag team in singles matches. Mm. And I feel like there's no other wrestler manager combo that's ever existed to the level that they did. Like, she is engaged in every match physically, mentally, strategically, like they laid out like game plans to get her involved in ways to help him win. Like she was involved in every big match, every big moment, every big win. And it's so effortlessly and and entertaining um, that it really stood out to me just how freaking good she was. And, you know, we, I think one thing we both changed on too is in 2017, we were kind of strict with like not counting manager work. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we envisioned doing like, I think we were just stricter on the rules in the project. At that point it was our first time doing it. Yeah. I think maybe we envisioned doing a manager's list too, at some point or something like that. But I think we're a little bit looser this time around, but even then she was one that was on, on my list anyway, I believe because she was so active. Um, yeah, I had her. Well, I had her at 114, so she's an honorable mention. So she moved way up for me. But she was um, so active. She was basically like a worker. She wasn't just like Mr. Fuji, fucking standing at ringside. You know what I mean? <laughs> like she was every match. She's like getting getting involved. Um, and and the promo work. And then she's such an integral part too. Like yeah, the DiBiase run is brief, but then with Sean, like she's such a big part of getting him over and established as a uh as an upper mid card guy because when he first turns it's just like okay here's Jaderic heel and then all of a sudden he's with her and it's like oh well she was basically just a main event manager and now she's with him and this is her only guy like it felt bigger already yeah and then he throw in some fun stuff like Luna into 93 where they have their awesome brawl on Raw where they beat up Raw Bartlett plus that's not even doesn't even talk about some of her Wrestling stuff, you know, I know that women's division in the 80s is shaky outside of the Bomb Angels, but her herself was always fine in those matches. She was never really the issue to me. Uh, but when you just that savage run alone and it's it's not quick. I mean, she's with him for like two years, pretty much. So it's a lot in there. She's got the big match of WrestleMania six, which you could argue coming in was the second biggest match on that show. And. So, right. So she's a big, she's a big part of, of that promotion, that promoting that show. Uh, and just all the, the big time matches Savage had with her in his corner. I think she deserves to be, you know, firmly entrenched in a list like this. Like to me, if you're leaving her off, you just haven't studied enough of like what she brought to the table with Savage. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I, I can't believe you completely disrespected her run as Peggy Sue. Told that as well, yes. Yeah, I mean, how you know? How dare you? Um, yeah, I, I. So, I say this having her at at currently at seventy four on this list. I think she's probably very much in danger of getting bumped off the list for me. Mm. And 
it's got nothing to do with her. It just has more to do with everybody else. Right. And and I'll, I'll and this is me saying this as someone who has just finished watching. Um, I just finished watching all the Saturday Night's main events, and I think you need to watch those to get a grip, a real grasp on her. Mm-hmm. Because Macho Man is so in- – watching Saturday Night's main event, you realize how much that sh- – and this maybe sounds stupid in retrospect, but realize how much that show is Hulk Hogan – but not just Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage the whole run. Right. Like they're the yeah. only two that are the most consistently on it the entire time. And mm-hmm. so you see a lot of her work there, and I can see how integral she is to that act. And I think she's great. The more I watch, I love the Macho Man. He's my favorite guy all time. But that's kind of a pretty big downtime in his run, I feel, the Macho King run, at least until 91. And I I can't put my finger on why. Like, it's one of the few times in the promotion where he feels. Yeah, but he's still not. I, I don't know. Like, I feel like it's a weird perception. But when you watch it, like. He still has a SummerSlam main event. So that whole summer he's with Sherry leading up to SummerSlam main event. Um, and he's fantastic there. And so is she like, you know, they're carrying Zeus through the whole thing. Then, yes, he downgrades a little bit. They kind of feud him with like Snooka and then Duggan. But even then, like by the Rumble, Dusty's like, you know, a top four, five face. And, you know, he's like gets a ton of showtime uh, during that brother love stuff. Like that's mm-hmm. all about their feud pretty much. He's getting the showpiece in the Rumble. WrestleMania, like I said, is basically a top two. I'll give you a top three match if you want to put Demolition Colossals, but mm-hmm. it's it's no worse than top three match on the, on a huge Mania. Um, and then he's still feuding with Dusty. And then by the fall, he's calling out Warrior leading into the Rumble and Mania. So, like, I guess it just is how much you perceive Dusty as a guy. But uh, to me, at least until summer 90, Dusty's presented as, like, a top star in the company. And Savage is his top foil. I just, I just don't think it's as big a downgrade as it always looked like. Yeah, I don't think it's like... I mean, I don't think he's, like, wrestling at preliminary matches, right? Like, it just... It feels like he's... For me, it feels like he's floating. Like, and that... Again, I, maybe I'm being a bit too hard on it. It's very possible. But, like, I, I, it's like I'm not trying to find ways not to include her because I do want to include her. But, like, for example, like, you, you have her at Sixer. Who was your 61? Um, Lashley. Yeah. So it's like, I think she's more integral to the, like, uh, performance wise during a time than, than Lashley. I mean, maybe if you want to say the last year or so, I guess Lashley, but yeah, like it, it just, I ever hired the rude. It just ends up, I find it ends up being a difficult sell over certain guys for me. Right. And that's what keeps bumping and bumping and bumping. And then it just opens up those doors. Like, and I, I get the argument that she's involved, but like, you know, Jimmy Hart's really involved too. Right? Like, yeah, but he's got a lot of down too. Like, I feel like she didn't really. Like, I know what you're saying though. Yeah. Like, you know, it, she was also a worker and he wasn't. She did more. I don't know. It's different, I guess, in my mind. But, yeah, and, and again, I'm not I'm not arguing she shouldn't be on your list or shouldn't be on my list. I just she's one of the ones that I'm kind of struggling on, like because the greatness is clearly there, but it's going to depend on what I want to put on the list in terms of like okay, like there's a lot of greatness there, but like is there enough impact? Is there enough all time moments? 
And like she's and, and as I say that, she's part of one of my favorite moments of all time, which is um, the WrestleMania Seven aftermath, right? So, right. There's a lot of right, and that doesn't work as well without her being such a fucking witch, you know. Yeah, I mean, you could probably make the argument that that could be somebody else. Like, it, it really is about the. I don't reunion. know. Yeah, well, yeah, but if you look at those two years as a whole story, you know, you almost start to feel like she was playing them a bit. You know what I mean? Like, that's the way it ends up washing out at that point was like, you know, in the beginning, she's like a rebound girl for him. And then the, you know, deeper she gets her claws and her psychotic feel to it, like, you know, <laughs> ends up driving his insanity even more. Right. And then. He just like has this awakening and she like snaps on him because he's useless to her. I don't know. It's, I feel like it's actually more part of the Savage Liz story than it gets credit for. Him shacking up a Sherry for two years as like the evil girlfriend. I don't know. Have you gotten to that stuff yet at MSG or no? I forget, no, no you're, you're I'm before. not. So we'll see what happens when that when that Yeah, goes. I'm curious if that'll help too when you I'd watch look. more of like the in, in you know day to day of them together. Because she's so big part of those matches too at msg like she's all over the place oh i buy it because whenever he fights on saturday night's main event she's she's in the ring like 80 percent of the time <laughs> like, yeah like I, I remember particularly he had a match against brutus beefcake and like it was it because of her and, and i don't i'll give Brut beefcake credit too i was like wow this is a really good match like i was not expecting this to like pop me and maybe be one of the better matches in that show's history but yeah and it's like it's not, it doesn't never feels forced with her either. You know, it's not like, Oh, all right. You know, like it, it just feels organic. Cause like, again, like, it almost feels like her and Savage work, work a tag team style in those matches. Like it just feels organic when she keeps getting involved and it almost feels like a game plan versus just like a manager getting involved. So it's, it's so hard to explain. I just, I never appreciated it until I really watched like a ton of it in a row. And then I'm like, wow, like, I really enjoy this pairing and way more than I ever thought, and it's all driven by her, you know, backing up my all-time favorite, so it just it just really stood out to me. The whole time, too, you're like, why isn't anybody doing anything about this? Right! It's just like, <laughs> she was just so good at it, it's like, alright, well, and, and no one wanted to hit her, you know, I'm like, well, and they would, but I think that was a little piece of it, too, right? Like, that she's a woman, um, so it wasn't just, like, smacking Jimmy around, it was like, you had to get a hold of her, but you also had the had had to kind of have it in you to, to smack her around, which, um, you know, Hogan obviously was fine doing, but yeah, well, Hogan could do any could do no wrong in that era. All right, who's your number sixty? Well, my number sixty couldn't be more different than your number sixty. Uh, my mm -hmm. number sixty is uh, uh, Big Daddy Cool Diesel Kevin Nash. All right, he was my sixty-seven, so we could talk about him a bit here. Sure. Um, you know, I, I think on my final list, he'll probably end up being around here. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, his career is so weird and interesting. <laughs> like, like, you know, highest of highs, lowest of lows. Like he's, he's almost like a, a short term undertaker, I feel. Right. And so like, you know, that 95 run, really hurts him but like his i really love his 96 run right mm -hmm. um you know he he has a disastrous comeback in 2002 2003 and 2011 but you know 94 is great so it's right. it's really hard to place him but i still think he's the definitive wwf champion of the 90s mm -hmm. like when i think of the 90s he's who i think of holding that belt for better or worse 
he had a year-long title reign in a time where that didn't happen at all. He yep. does have a catalog of great matches mm-hmm. um, to go with a catalog of terrible matches. Um, I, 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 I guess he hurt the promotion more than he helped it. I don't know. I think the booking of him hurt the promotion. Like, I don't yeah. think he did anything wrong. Per oh, say. yeah. Yeah. I don't, when I say that, I, that's, that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, like, but like, the, would have been the promotion been better if he never existed? I don't know. Hmm, that's interesting because if they probably would have switched to the smaller guy sooner. Well, let's throw this out. So, um, the newest wrestler that was that had dropped. Well, it's probably not the newest by the time you hear this, but um, episode two of the wrestler that was this year's solo project every other Monday. Mm-hmm. You got into Razor Ramon and you said. You know, ideally, like maybe he should have been the guy to get the bell or had a run. So, like, compare that for me. Do you think that year goes demonstrably better with him in that role? Yes, but it's hard to say. It depends. Same opponents. Yeah. So I he's think... got unmotivated Sid. He's got the Tonka. Mabel twice. Like, is he having great matches with those guys? That no. Because if you watch a lot of stuff, like I feel like it's not on Diesel. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think know? it's on him in the ring. In fact, like I remember last time I watched the SummerSlam '95 main event, I was like, oh, Diesel's really working here. Like mm-hmm. he, it, like it's not his fault. No, I don't know if it maybe gets a little better in ring because Razor I think is better than Diesel right. in ring. I don't think demonstratively better. But I think, and maybe I'm wrong, uh, and I think I made this point on the show, is that I think that they will, they would, they would mess with Razor's character less. And for me, it's Diesel's character that makes the whole thing, like, not click. Yeah, I don't know though. Like, I'm worried that they would. I, I'm worried that your the opinion is that they wouldn't because they never did, right? Right. But the, but I don't know if they would have messed with Diesel either if he doesn't win the belt. I think I think the difference is is that before he won the belt, I don't know if he really had a character. Like I oh, mean, I disagree. He was like super cool, swagger, like badass. Because he's like that. It, it's as odd, and we you know we're gonna talk about it. I think in another episode of Bard soon. But um, you know he, it's this weird thought that he like overnight turned into smiling. Shaking hands, milk toast diesel, but it really wasn't like he's still that diesel that everyone loved until like mania. It's really the mania stretch where it gets overbearing with uh, doing all the media and being like, like almost dad jokey kind of. And I think it coincides with him dealing with the million dollar corporation and Sid kind of not being super hot as a heel, you know, like he's paired with Bigelow. The roster's all jumbled. It just, I feel like that was more so than like, it's not like overnight they just decided to to evaporate what was cool about him. I still think if they just change the belt to Mania 11, and then even if he wins it back or whatever they want to do, like, I think things just go a bunch differently and his character doesn't shift as much as it's remembered because in watching a lot of those when Scott and I were doing the written reviews for PlayStation.com, we went all through 95, pretty much, 94, 95 Raw. And it really isn't noticeable to me until after Mania. Like, he's still 
kind of the cool swagger diesel till then. Yeah, I guess I just don't buy the cool swagger diesel as much. And I know that kind of maybe sounds crazy, but like I'm watching a lot of diesel right now, uh, which is a hint, I guess. <laughs> and like, it's like there's, I don't, I don't, don't think he's great in the role. Like, I, I just don't think that he's, he, I think he eventually finds it, but it takes him a while. Like, I, I don't find the promos believable, even when he's not jokey, jokey diesel. I find that when I'm listening to his promos and listen to his character, it looks like someone who is discovering who the character is as opposed to playing the character. And so for me, that that's what I mean by he doesn't have a character. He feels like a generic, he feels like I, a generic his, bad guy. Uh, I don't know. I think this clear comparison, his final months from like summer or maybe King of the Ring on, 94 to when he turns i think there's some good comps to batista at 04 into 05 when he finally turns and they just kind of kept batista was able to kind of keep that cool but he also didn't have like a year-long on top babyface run against a bunch of jobbers you know what i mean like it was just completely different right but the character origins felt similar to me where he was just kind of a bodyguard everyone thought he was kind of a stiff mm. then he started being given a little personality organically seemed pretty cool, cooler than the other guy. And then it's all of a sudden the crowds are buying him. And right. I think it's, I think you could see it because as soon as he loses the belt and they don't make him be handshaking, smiling diesel, he's like, awesome. Like that's like his best yeah. run, you know? Well, that's, so, that's what I mean is I think by then he's got it. I just don't, for me, it just doesn't. Yeah, but come. did he already have it? Like, if they didn't force him to do it, could he have been that earlier? You know what I mean? Perhaps, but that's that's why I think that that all relates back to me saying I don't think he had much of a character before, because like I think if he was that guy that that um that that character that left the '95 Survivor Series, I don't feel like they would have. Maybe I'm wrong, right? But I don't feel like they would have messed with it as much. I don't know. I, we, there's they no might way. Have, because look at Sean, they do it with him. He goes from being the cocky, even as a face when he comes back in 95 after being the heel, he's like still cocky, kind of douchey Sean. And then he wins the belt and he suddenly got Jose Lothario for manager doing good, you know, Kathy Lee, like, and he became, and then he loses and then he gets an edge. So I just, I think it was just their idea of trying to make their baby face champions have how, long runs and just be like the, the kid's hero, the prototypical Hogan, you know? But how do you do that with Razor Ramon, who is such a character? You'd almost have to have him. No, that's what I'm afraid of. I think maybe they back off the stuff. Maybe, maybe he doesn't cling to it. Or maybe he has a shorter run because they don't see him as being the media friendly guy that's going to go out and like the, almost, he's almost too stereotypical in a way. Right. So maybe right. they don't maybe maybe he never had a chance because of it, because they were so image conscious at that point um, of trying to make their champion. So wholesome and, you know, outgoing and forthcoming, like maybe they figure he's almost counter and, and it's really not until 97 where they twist that and, and accept it. And, Part, most of the years Undertaker. So like even him, he's so ensconced in wrestling that like they kind of right. get away with it. It's really not until DX Sean that they and then Austin that they break that 
we need to like just have the the you know model hero champion yeah but i mean even the undertaker when they did it with him like he didn't really change well i'm saying he was so embedded i mean like you knew him as part of wrestling so like undertaker showing up on stuff like isn't weird and i don't think they even i don't know how much press they even had him doing at 87 they might have still been using other guys but he was certainly um, in kuwait (laughs) yes he was but not talking (laughs) just sitting there watching uh, we had a lot to do here let's get to your 59 You're 59. Oh, was that your? No, that was your 60, right? Yeah, but you just you started with your 60. I thought we used to snake it. Um, oh, whatever. All right, my 59 is uh, Becky Lynch. Okay, um, I have her. Uh, where the hell is she? She's higher. She's higher. She would be uh, next oh, episode. George. Okay. We can save her. Um, I don't mind. I had her at one fifteen. No, that's right. Well, we kind of went long in them, so maybe we should save her. But uh, I had her at one fifteen, so she again made a big jump. Obviously, in seventeen, hadn't really hit the big stride yet um, of her of her top role. I will say this though. Uh, I anticipate in my list at the end of this year she will be lower. Yeah. I have not been a fan of her as much since her return you're getting better again like i think it's starting to f- figure it out again but since the return um i think part of it's the character i don't like the character that much it feels forced it right. feels way too much like she's doing a conor mcgregor cosplay uh i think what endeared her to everyone was when she was just like the only brawling ass kicker of the of the women you know what i mean like it's the authenticity there was an authenticness to her right nothing felt for us it was just like she's just a badass beating the shit out of everyone and now it's like she came back and they're doing this like superstar thing leaning into the Rollins stuff i don't know, just it feels like we lost the story a little bit i will say this she's also like super selfless like she's been putting like a lot of women over and you know like working her ass off to do that so she's like still a tremendous part and asset so i'm not gonna drop her off the list or anything no but i think when i put this list together you know she would have just kind of come back and now spending another six months of this character i'm just not into um yeah i could see her drop it back a little bit she's got a lot of i have a lot of labeled move up here so someone's gonna move down i think she'll be one of them she she's got to make the list for the 2018-2019 run. She has to uh, because yeah, 100%. that there's a there's a there's like a four month window where she's the the biggest star in the promotion. Yes. Yep. Um. Now that fades very fast, but yeah, she's got to make the list. It, it, do you would you foresee her being your lowest horsewoman? Um. Well, she is already. I think. Yeah, but do you think the others will move below her? Uh, I mean, the injury obviously hurts Bailey, but right. she also was so fucking good. And you know yeah. my feelings on the pandemic, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Charlotte will not drop past her. That I can guarantee. And her and Sasha are pretty high up on my list. So, um, no, maybe Bailey, maybe, yeah. but I anticipate she'd be last. Yeah, I, to me, she feels like for my, for my money, she's the obvious last one, which is weird because mm-hmm. she had the highest peak. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they pushed her into that 
Mania main event, right? Is it something to that be said? That wasn't the plan. Yeah, is it something to be said for a character that like? It's so weird that like a little uh, like um an underused talent, which is what she kind she never she was never underused, right? But she was the one that the fans wanted versus the what the the company wanted. But and not actually, originally. Uh, I mean, you know, not until that fight. Like before that, it was just kind of like she was good, but I don't think anyone ever saw her as being on the level of like Sasha and Charlotte. What fight are you talking? I thought about? she was always clear number three. What fight are you talking about? Which she was it Nia Jax or whoever potatoed her? Like the the oh. breakup moment. Well, I mean, I think that starts a bit earlier. Like I I, I think like you know they they fight. It's her and Charlotte and Carmella. It's somebody at 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 SummerSlam, and the crowd is so behind. Yeah, yeah. Her, even when she turns heel. So like there there was a bit of a groundswell coming. I I I agree. The Nia Jax stuff put it to the next stratosphere, but it felt like a um, like a grassroots thing for her which is something they don't normally do they don't normally give in right they normally just no you're getting charlotte and ronda right well i think they had to it was almost like a daniel bryan situation like right it would have been like a riot plus i think they liked her like like it wasn't like daniel bryan where they thought well he's small and injury prone and blah blah, blah right it was more yeah they just had such a hard on for charlotte and you have ronda rousey so it's like like they have to be the top two um, right. if you're gonna main event, those have to be your two. Like you can't. That main event doesn't happen without Rousey at that point. Oh so, no. And then Charlotte was their biggest name, and it was only because Becky improved. I mean, I think she just improved a ton too, right? Like she made it a conversation yeah. by getting so much better on the mic and getting a swagger and a character. Like some of that was on her before that. Like she didn't have all that. She was a great worker, but she didn't have that character behind it or the talking. That just kind of all of a sudden blasted out of nowhere you know yeah she was just a steampunk person yeah i think it's a good like her and austin are kind of like good good comps like uh you know female version of how austin rose right it's like all of a sudden the light went off for him in ecw they dimmed it a bit and then it came back but like all of a sudden he figured out what his voice would be and she did the same it's like all of a sudden she figured out what that voice could be yeah but then it dipped. So I'm curious if that's like the opponents, if that's just the fucking stink of Seth Rollins at the time. Like, yeah, you know, maybe just burnout. Right. I mean, there was a lot like she was kind of going all out. But right. I just I just don't like this character now. This is oh, my bigger her work is fine, but the character, I think, is terrible. Well, it's the opposite of what she was. Right? right, like she was fighting to be in the main events, and I think it was Punk who said it at one point to Cena. He's like, uh, "You view yourself as the uh, Boston Red Sox, but you're really the Yankees." That's kind of what she is now, I find. Right. Yeah. All right, that was your fifty-nine. Mm-hmm. My fifty-nine is a friend of my sixty, and that is Sean Waltman. Okay, I have him later in this episode. You want to okay. wait a minute? Yeah, let's wait a minute. What's your okay. fifty-eight? Uh, the superstar, Billy Graham. And he's oh. actually one of the few guys I did not move. He has 58 last time for me, too. Oh, really? <laughs> um, I've got him uh, got him a bit higher. Okay. Uh, next episode. All right. We'll save him for that then. Okay. My 58 is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Oh, okay. Uh, I have him a decent amount higher. Save him, too. Okay. Are you marking these down when we say save? <laughs> no, no, but we'll, we'll remember. No, I won't, but hopefully you do. Um, yeah. All right, my 57 
is a guy that moved up a little bit for me, and that is Cesaro. Woo. Well, that is my 56, so let's okay. talk about him. let's get into him. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you find him hard to rank? <laughs> yeah, he's interesting to me because it's all work, right? Like, yeah, but but he's got he's not just a, a vanilla worker. He's got awesome charisma in the ring, you know. But what he lacks is two things. He lacks the promo stuff to make him a top level guy. You know, they tried with Heyman, they tried different stuff, and he lacks the big moments. Now he's got a few. The Andre Battle Royal, you know, the Mania thirty uh, thirty eight, the one in Tampa thirty, whatever year that was thirty seven thirty. I lost track. Um, that win over Seth at Mania. Like he's got some really good stuff, like a, a couple of good moments, but he's lacking like a bulk of big moments. But that said, his work rate is, I would say, barely second to none. I mean, it's like tremendous. And he's got a lot of just high level matches. And I also think he's on the short list of greatest WWE tag team wrestlers of all time. Yeah. Um stuff at the bar, you know, you and I are very high on the bar and Seamus and him all, overall. His stuff with Tyson Kidd was great as well. So he's just like the perfect guy to stick in a team with another random guy and just let him crush it. I mean, the bar is like, I think it's one of the most underrated teams in history, and I know you agree, so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's a little tricky to, to, to rate. I mean, if he even had like above average promo skills and a couple more big moments, like he may be like a top thirty guy. Yeah, I agree. Um, everything you said, I completely agree with. Could you take him out of the promotion and very little changes? That's the that's what hurts him. Yeah, right. Like, and it's weird to think about it that way. But like, if he hadn't have been there, what did, aside from a bunch, a, a whole slew of great tag matches, like, right? It's, it's there's really no impact on the company. Isn't that insane? A guy who's mm-hmm. there for 10 years has like no impact on the company. Right. The only thing you may lose that was like, like is that first Andre Battle Royal. Yeah. Like is, is that, that, that his, maybe isn't the same. Is that his like single best moment? I mean, it has to be right. Uh, the only I, thing I can think of is him is him with Rollins. It was Rollins, right? In Tampa. Yeah, I think so. Or am I speaking of? Yeah. Like that was great too. That was a great match and a big win for him. And it felt like they were getting off the mat with him finally. I mean, he's got that run surprise top two moment. Yeah, he's got the run with Reigns too, but he loses, which is fine. But yeah, it, see, he's like the perfect guy that 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 says to me, not everyone should be a main eventer. Right. Because I just don't think he's got the skill set for that. And that's not a bad I, I don't I don't mean that as a criticism. Like I think he's like he could be one of your greatest mid card champions of all time if you wanted to go that route with him. He's one of the greatest tag workers of all time. But mm-hmm. like I think I think like the cries to push him higher, and I made them at points. When I think about it in retrospect, seems like no, they probably made the right choice. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, like, I don't know how much more they could have went. The only thing you could argue is that he is um, in a time where you could be champion and not be uh, the top 
level type of champion. You know what I mean? Like if he's around in the nineties, like no chance. Right. But right. in like 2013, like could he have been a world? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like everyone's had a fucking run with that. Jack Swagger had a run with that. Like, so like, yeah, I think in the modern Doty, yes, he probably could have had a run um, that they missed out on, but I don't know if it means much more than what he already did. It might've and been I, like a forgettable run. And I wonder if it benefits him that he didn't. Because, like, when you think of Jack Swagger's run, I think that title run right. hurts him. Laugh at it. Right? Yeah. Uh, G- Jinder Mahal. Well, Jinder Mahal in general. You know, but, like, you know, you don't th- – those those runs don't pad the resume. If anything, they hurt it. So maybe it's good that right. he's kind of this underappreciated guy who was always excellent. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely excellent. Um, again, I, th- I think you could have climbed if you just had a little bit more, but uh, – Still was was a you know big part of the roster for ten years. Uh, one match that always stuck out to me too that disappointed was him and Owens at SummerSlam. I feel yeah. like they, that was like a golden opportunity for him, like to really step up and nail it. And that match always like I was like, oh man, like and they gave him the the slot right before the main event. They put a lot of focus on it. It just didn't get going for whatever reason. And like they, I think that hurt him that match because if he goes out there and crushes it and gets like a huge. The, the crowd's going crazy. I remember the crowd kind of being dead for it. When they gave uh, him I gotta time, think that they gave him a bit of time. Oh yeah, like, yeah. That that was 2015. No, yeah. 15. no. yes, 2015. 15, I think. Yeah. So they gave him a lot of time and no bullshit, and said, "You like two great guys go out there and get it done," and they just kind of missed. So I think that maybe hurt him. Yeah, I buy it. I buy it. And I, I actually maybe think Heyman hurt him a bit. Like, yes, that ended up being counterproductive. Like they went with the he's the king of swing as opposed to this guy is the strongest guy in the world. Right. And that's the thing, too. Like, I know we don't count those maybe as moments per se, but it's like an amalgamation of those power spots could be a moment. Like the sick, like deadlift guys that do a superplex, like just insane strength stuff. Uh, he wows you like he really yeah. wows you. Like, I mean, I'm not really one for like, I want this guy to go here or go there, but this is the exact kind of guy I want to go. I want to see go to New Japan and be in the G1. Right. You know, like like that's kind of it's almost like that's where he belongs in a promotion where it's all work rate and he can actually it'll just it's a promotion that plays to his strengths way more than the WWE does for better or worse. Yeah. All right. All right. My, my, well, my 57, which we skipped because we're talking about your 57, Cesaro. My 57 is uh, Kevin Owens. Oh, funny timing. Uh, did I have him? I think he was already on mine. Uh, oh, no, he's up. Uh, no, he's up a decent bit. Okay. Well, we'll hold him off till next time. Okay. Well, we got a big one coming up here. Number 56, the game, Triple H. You have it at 56? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have him much higher. I had him at 40 last time. Um, I don't know. Like, You know, rewatching eleven twelve for Dirty War every other Friday here. <sighs> Left me lacking during that stretch. Um I, I think he might have moved back up 
on the back of 0708 PTB I'm doing. Yeah. I've actually liked him quite a bit in that run. He's good. He's good in that run. Uh, also for war, we did 99, 2000. A lot of the 99 stuff doesn't really resonate until he gets to Foley. So that kind of hurt it. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know. I, he always felt like the perfect number 40 to me last time. I remember, yeah, I never I remember moved that. Him. I put him at 40 and never moved him. But just watching some of that, like 99, 11, like this is some bad shit in there. Um, but uh, 07, 08 may, getting intimate with that may move him back up. We'll see. We'll see how deep into 08 we get to where I kind of get sick of him again. But right now, I actually enjoy when he shows up. Like, I think he's been really good in this run since right. he got back in the SummerSlam. So, I don't know. He might end up higher, but for right now, <laughs> that's where I get him. Uh, look, I obviously, I'm not going to begrudge you having him there because I fucking hate him. Right. But, like, to me... So there's just so many great matches, like, and you're gonna hit, you're gonna hit the Jeff Hardy mm-hmm. matches, uh, as you go on. I'm sure you've hit some already. Um, you're gonna, and, and the the same problem rears its head with those matches because you're like, why isn't he just putting Jeff Hardy over? So you're always gonna get that, but that also gives you with Triple H this really interesting catharsis effect, in that you're angry he's there, you think he's ruining the business, but because of that, you're like. You end up fucking marking out more when Chris Benoit taps him out in 2004. Like you, it's like you can't believe it actually happened. And very few wrestlers right. create that effect. And I would, I would venture mm-hmm. to those two matches with The Undertaker at WrestleMania, you know, regardless of how divisive they are or whatever, the whole right. match, you, there's that – and I don't know if it's a good thing or not. But there's an added thing of like, is he going to fucking put himself over The Undertaker? Yeah. And so that's always in your head. And again, it kind of treads that line. And I don't know if you want to be on that line, but it makes right. for a very unique watching experience. It is to get to that point where like, you're like, oh, is he going to do it again? There's just so much misery to get there. And and <clears throat> I will stand by the fact that he, I think he killed the business. Right. Like that's a much longer conversation, but like, I think you can you can trace a straight line from where he kind of becomes the face of the company to where we are now, and it's a straight line down. Yeah. Like, and, and, and I'm always amazed that the company doesn't see that. Maybe maybe that's why they're gonna fire Stephanie. <laughs> like, <laughs> but like, I don't but like, know. I don't know how much was purely on him, but it didn't help. Well, I, I don't think it's necessarily all him, but I think the company going all in on him is the problem. Like, it, it's not there. It's not only his fault. Like, if you or I were pushed to the top of the company, obviously we'd take it, right? And make the right. money that comes with right. it. But, like, when he's clearly an inferior performer to people, like, that that's the problem. And that's always been the problem. He's a – he it, it's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, and I hate using this term, but he's, a, he's the definition of B-plus player. Yeah. I feel like he was always like, always just picked the wrong turn at the crossroads. Yeah. Like 2000 should have went face, right? WrestleMania yep. 32 should have let Reigns kill him. Like, like it's always like he's won WrestleMania 25 should have had a hot weapons brawl. Like it's always like that one decision off. Because I don't like I know the argument at 18 is Hogan and, and Rock should have closed, right? I'm fine yeah, with but, that. 
Yeah. I think 25, it's not as obvious to me. Like, take O'Shawn in retrospect. Oh, yeah, the greatest match of all time should have no, closed. But we didn't know that going No out. one knew that was going to be anywhere near that. Like, nobody knew. You know, Taker obviously was coming off classics with Batista a couple years earlier and stuff. But, like, his edge stuff was kind of just fine. I don't think anyone knew it was going to be a top three company match in history, right? Like, it's no, it's complete revisionist. So, and Triple H Orton was red hot as a feud. Like, it was super, everyone was into it. Orton was at the peak with with legacy and all that shit. Like, did they make it that Triple H, um, if he got disqualified, he lost yes. the title? Okay, right. yeah. so, so I listened to, I don't remember where it was, but it was a, it was something Chris Jericho was talking about, where, the, when they're he, him and uh, Punk were going to have their match at WrestleMania 28, right? And it's the same stip. If Punk gets disqualified, he loses, right? And it's like in both instances they do the same thing in the build up to that match they make the bad guy do things that are so extreme that there's no conceivable way the guy wouldn't just murder him right right and then so and that's the same corner they painted that into so much so that Vince wanted Punk and um Jericho to be a 2 minute match right. with Punk just going crazy on him and I can see the logic in that, but it's so flawed. Like, because it's it's correct. Like, Triple H shouldn't be doing headlocks with Orton after Orton DDT'd his wife and kissed her. But then build the match to that. Like, make that the match then. Make that a, make it a crazy wild brawl. I don't see why they right. can't just take that step. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it was a, it was a miss to do it the way they did it. And it was it was a hot feud, and I think it could have it could have delivered. So again, it was always like one, you know, just one thing off. So, I'm, allow me to posit something with Triple H, and maybe this is too psychological or whatever. I will posit that I think he might have ended up a better performer if he hadn't have married Stephanie. And my thought my right. my my thought on it is, is that as soon as he married Stephanie. He never, ever, 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 ever allowed himself to look weak again. Right. Ever. And I, I, you could, I, I can maybe hypothesize that the idea is that like so much of his career is wrapped up in that marriage. Mm-hmm. That if that marriage were to falter, his career would falter. Like he's forever intertwined, right? right. But like, you know, you talked about 2000. The logical storyline there is that like Angle cuckolds him, right? And then she ends up with Angle and then. Triple H is wronged, so he has to, that's how he garners sympathy. And so you have this guy who for a large part of the time is a babyface but can't garner any sympathy because he's, he's, he's so afraid. I don't know if he's afraid. I'm going to assume. It feels like he's afraid to ever look weak. Right. Like even, even when he's fighting Brock Lesnar, they have to bring out Shawn Michaels to be afraid of, of Brock Lesnar. Right. And it's like I, I really think it has to do with him not wanting to ever look weak. And my hypothesis is that he doesn't want to look weak in front of Stephanie. It's definitely I mean, possible. I mean, with the McMahon ego and alpha male shit, right? Like, yeah. But I mean, again, was it him or was it the McMahons, like not wanting a, a family member? But I mean, I guess Vince used to show a lot of ass. So I don't know. It's hard to say. But it's yeah. I don't know. It's it's <laughs> whole episodes have been done. 
it could continue to be done on this yeah. man's psyche and career. But for now, he's a 56 for me. I think he'll rise a little bit. I mean, I'd have to look at who's above, but he might get back into the low, the you know, high 40s now. I don't think he'll get him back to 40s. There's too many other people I want above him, but. Yeah, like I begrudgingly, begrudgingly have him higher. Because, like, yeah. he, it, it's weird. He's almost like a gatekeeper. Right. It's like, okay, all right, he's ahead of him, he's below him. You know, he's that guy for me. All right, who do you got at 56? 56 is Cesaro. Oh, that's right, who did him? All right, my 55 is Kofi Kingston. Holy shit. Um, okay, let's talk about him, because he'd be the first guy on my list for next. Oh, uh, you know what, maybe we'll save him, because he's my first guy from next episode. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'll just say, I, I don't, when we did this list five years ago, I had him at 89. Wow. Um, but that was pre, you know, title reign with Daniel Bryan and everything. Yeah. And New Day had only really been going for like a couple of years at that point. They hadn't really become like the main event act that they'd become. So I think just the importance of them as characters, uh, the fact that him and Big E both rose to main event level status out of it, mm-hmm. solidifying them. You know, we did our tag list, whatever, the year after that. By that point, they had another year in the books, and we had them as a top three tag team of all time, I think. So, yeah. uh, And then in 19 was the title stuff. So, um, And that's not even counting all the shit before that, right? <laughs> like Stalwart of the U.S. title division, all the rumble moments, spots. Just uh, a guy who's been around now 14 years, 13 years, whatever it is. Uh, never hear a bad word about him. Uh, developed into a pretty solid promo. Tons of big moments. You get the work. Yeah, I think he obviously is one of the top top guys ever. Yeah, to, to me, he's one of the, he's the best of that crop of guys like the Kofi, uh, Kofi, Dolph. Cody Rhodes, uh, there's a couple other guys we're about to talk about in that, where they're like career <laughs> mid-carters right. with like one or two highs, and I think because of that title run, he just kind of outlasts them and gets bumped up right. a bit. Alright, so my number 55 is a guy who, as I'm going through this project, is almost certainly going to rise uh, at least a, a little bit, and uh, that's Greg the Hammer Valentine. Okay. Um, he's way higher for me. Okay. Then we're going to way wait to talk to him. Okay. And he's uh, actually, he's another guy I did not move from last time. Mm. As we go higher, I have less movement. I think that yeah. would make sense, right? Like my top 25 are all kind of static because um, they're just my all time greats. <laughs> so it's like, you know, some of those guys will shift a little bit, but most of them are within the atmosphere that they yeah, were in. That's funny. Mine are very similar too, but I was surprised by the order. Right. Like that kind of morphed quite a bit. All right. So what do we have? My 54? 54. Oh, yeah. 54. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so this is a guy who's another one like Triple H has moved down quite a bit. He was a 31 on my last list. Oof. And that is the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Yeah. So he's like, uh, yeah, he's way back, way back in my list. So we can talk about him now if you want. 
Okay. Yeah, he just uh, we. I think we've talked about ad nauseum, honestly, in a lot of of our shows. Yeah. yeah. Just how disappointing his pay per view work is. Um. And I really didn't gain much more out of watching all the MSGs and, and everything else. Like, mm-hmm. he would maybe have slightly better stuff. Like, instead of two and three quarters type matches, maybe three and a quarter, three and a half at times. But yeah. th- he's still just missing those great matches. Like, for a guy that's lauded as such a great worker, what's his best stuff? Virgil and yeah. Savage. And, like, that's it. And Virgil is only because of the emotion of that storyline and, and yeah. DICF is a big part of it, but it's really not the work. Um, you know, SummerSlam's an awesome match, but it's more because of the the pouring of emotion. Piper is just an equal part of it as those two guys are uh, in commentary. So beyond that, it's really the Savage stuff. And even that, like you and I, obviously we know Savage at the top of our lists. And even with him, he's still barely breaking four stars. So like, what are we missing? Like, where is it? And yeah. then Money Inc. is, and I know you feel this way, there's a lot of really low-level stuff. The worst tag team of all time, perhaps. <laughs> so, like, a ton of good, good char- great character, all-time character work. Yeah. Uh, a great promo. And he's got a lot of moments. But I think the work, and, and, like the, and he's a good worker. It's just the matches really drag him down. And, like, that leads to less moments, too. Of course. And and um, more than that, you're disappointed in his matches. Right. It's it, it's not like cuz some of them it's like it, it, and they're they're all fuck finishes. It, it, it's it's a weird thing with him. Like it, he's almost like the bad guy Duggan except for like when he lost to Hogan or Savage. Like right. I found everything was kind of a mucky finish or a double count out or you know mm-hmm. some bullshit, right? And again, with those, like you just said, you're going to get less moments. Yeah, I mean, that said, he still overcomes and has a ton of big moments. Now, we've also talked about how we're going to factor in the manager stuff a little bit more. <laughs> you and I, at least. Okay. I mean, it's going to be counted a little bit, right? I know he's not super active, but he is so counterproductive. He's terrible. To the the fact that guys that lose him immediately take big leaps. Becomes Sid, the biggest star of all time. Austin, I mean, but even Sid goes on to have his best run as soon as he dumps him. So, you know, kid goes in the toilet when he goes with them. Sid's worst run is with him. Yeah. You know, and some guys, it is what it is. Like, nothing was probably going to help Tataka in 95, right? So, Nikolai, like whatever. Nik- Nikolai was basically Bundy. a slave. Right. Bundy. Like, I mean, he's got some bums, so it is what it is. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just. I feel like he's a guy who, in theory, means more than in execution for them. Yeah, and, you know, when you think back on it again, like, okay, so I think he's probably integral to buying the title and Andre winning the title. Right. Like, only from the perspective of he's buying the title. But again, I I kind of am thinking, like, Cesaro, you could probably take him out. And like insert somebody else. Like like would Rick Rude? Uh, I don't know. Would Rick Rude have been like would, would would a lot have changed if Rick Rude was in that role instead of him? Yeah, I don't know. I think so. I think the money aspects 
the buying of things like that greed like it really spoke to the big 80s right like the mm. lavish wall That's street fair. lifestyle like that i don't the the womanizer was big in the 80s too right so i mean, yeah. i get it but no i think a lot of his stories needed him but it's just like why he's on this list though but that, yeah. that's why he's at you know 55 or whatever 54 because he's got all that other stuff he just can't go higher because he doesn't have the match output and in theory you would link that to his work because he's in with a lot of great workers too it's not like he's just carrying bums like diesel 95 i mean he's he's given a lot right? <laughs> no, no no yeah he's savage so, he's savage hogan i'm sure he fights the warrior but it's his moment his moments his character his promos that all that that's what pulls him this high for me is all yeah. that stuff like he's got tons of memorable of those yeah on first on first run on this list i have him at 72 and I, and it's all for the same reasons it's like oh, okay like so yeah like we're, we're still a ways off on him but like i think we have the same opinion of him right and he dropped a lot for me I and mean, i think i over you know i went like i said i had him at 31 last time yeah um, so i think i was living off rep you know but yeah, just I think I was banking on maybe seeing some good stuff that just never came. <laughs> right. It just never materialized. Yeah, it just wasn't there. I mean. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. the legend of his work has to come from somewhere. Well, I UWF, I think. Mid-South, yeah. like all that shit. Comes That's where it comes from. Motion. Yeah. I think so, yeah. I think he's just great there, and it just didn't translate. I think he's so great in the ring there, and then his character's so great. You just assume, like, overall he's great. Right. And the work is there. I mean, honestly, like this is going to sound like such a slap, but he's what I like to take of like Terry Taylor, right? Like he's very good in the ring. Yeah. It just doesn't translate beyond that. Yeah. This is DiBiase's lucky enough to have had an all-time character and get pushed into major angles and not dress up like a chicken. Right. <laughs> yeah. They, you could pick? have, you could have conceivably swapped the characters. Like the maybe, man in the character. Yeah. Maybe. Who's your 54? Uh, Tito Santana. Um, all right. Yeah, he's a lot higher for me. He's probably going to move up a bit for me, but we'll wait for you to talk to him. All right. So my 53, I think, uh, is a guy that I'm going to move up. Probably controversial. So like DiBiase, I think I overreacted moving him down, though, Okay. Um, to 30. Uh, and it's the other guy you just you talked about the first wrestler that was, and that is Jake the Snake Roberts. Ah. Um, so I looked at it, and I'm like, well, <clears throat> if I'm moving DiBiase down, I feel like Jake follows that pattern where he's amazing character, amazing promo, rep is a good worker, but missing the matches. You know what I mean? Like. There's not a lot there. So I kind of stuck them together because he's another guy that I didn't gain much watching all those MSGs. Like he misses a bunch because they have the legal problems. Um, I liked his, actually his feud with Earthquake was, was pretty solid in 91. He had a couple good matches. But him and DiBiase have the same issue that they never have great matches together during that big feud. That hurts them. Yep. And what doesn't, what Jake doesn't have that maybe could pull him up is the shitty manager stuff. But he does have the comeback in 96, which is kind of not great. Well, it, um, yeah, it's funny, eh? So maybe it's because I just did a deep dive on him, but he rose a lot in my estimation when I did a deep dive on him. Right. 
And I think the difference is, is that he doesn't have the great matches the same way DiBiase doesn't have the great matches, but I think his matches are better than DiBiase's. I think they're more, they're more high energy. They get a better reaction mm-hmm. out of the crowd. He's got more varied opponents. I think he's better in ring than DiBiase in terms of what he does and how he moves. Um, I think he's way more important than DiBiase. Like, I think that his role as the kind of dark contrast to Hulk Hogan during that time is really kind of unique and different. I think the snake is a huge intangible that, like, you know, that, like, I I never really thought about until I I really just kind of sat down and, you know, when I left those shows, it was like, holy shit, I saw this snake as a kid and how cool that that was as a kid and and how different and unique and strange that was. So I, I think he's got DiBiase beat in every in every um, in every category in terms of like, I mean, everything. He's a way better heel. He, I think he's one of the greatest heels of all time. His his character work like DiBiase's. I think DiBiase's a great heel. But Jake heel mm-hmm. ninety one like destroys him. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. and then Jake right. is, and then Jake is also an incredible face, which is strange considering how dark a character he is. Um, so and and then when you put all that together, and then add that all of Jake's feuds were super personal, mm-hmm. and I mean super personal, like every single one. Like he's murdering Reese Steamboat. He nearly gets crippled by Honky Tonk Man. Um, he gets into it with Rick Rude over the wife. Uh, you know, DiBiase tries to choke him. Rick, um, Bad News Brown tries to kill his pet. Like it, it, it's just every it, his right. storytelling is for me. And maybe I'll feel it differently after I kind of deep dive into DiBiase. Mm-hmm. But I find his storytelling is so top notch, and it's because he's such a good performer that, like, you know, I we we would have talked about Jake next episode. Um, I like I currently have him at forty five, but I'm he's moving up. Like he's moving up on my list because I can't think of anybody who's told, except for maybe Savage, who's told such a consistently great story character wise. Yeah. Yeah. He'll probably move up for me. Love me some Jake. All right. Number 52 is another horsewoman. Uh, I didn't do do 53. Oh, who's your 53? Finn Balor. I, uh, I, I think he was in my. I don't have them at all. At all? I don't think I even have my honorable mentions. I'm going to add them on here now. But. So I'm not going to talk long about him, uh, Finn Balor. I just want to <clears throat> – he's probably going to drop on my list. I probably have him too high right now, um, especially ahead of Santana and Valentine. But that being said, I think his NXT run is an all-time run. I think he's got a lot of great stuff there. He really helped build that brand. And, it, I mean, that brand becomes this incredible thing, and a lot of it really is off of his back. He's got a lot of great matches there. I think his main roster run is interesting, albeit a little bit disappointing. He, mm-hmm. He's got some great jump-ups, not a ton. I think the demon is an intangible, kind of how I was talking about Jake with the snake. I think the demon is an intangible that like is a really special thing. And it's a very it'll be one of the more memorable things from this time period. And for me, he always ends up being one of the biggest what-if guys. Like It feels like the promotion should have been built around him at some point. Right. Yeah, I just, I feel like I've just missed chunks of his stuff enough to, like, give fair rating. Like, I'm not as intimate with the NXT run. 
you know, he wasn't in NXT for the deep dive. Marcus and I are doing a dirty war right now. Uh, and then it's been so in and out of the main product during his key stretch. So maybe not fair not to have him on, but I can't imagine there's anything enough from him for me to like really want to take someone I like off of my list. You know what I mean? No, I know what you mean. So he might yeah. just be a guy that gets sacrificed for me to say, well, too bad. <laughs> like I feel <laughs> bad. bad. Just, I just don't know him enough. Like, I mean, I don't know. Could I take Bill Eadie off for him? Maybe, but like I'm way more, you know, into acts, you know what I mean? Like that was a big character for me. So yeah. I don't know. JBL, maybe something like that. In the back end of my list, but someone up here, like, no, nah, I don't see anyone I'd want to knock off, probably. Right. NXT's a haul for me, though. We've talked about it. It's a tricky one. Like, you can almost argue, like, it could be abstained from this list and just do their own at this point, because it's just going to infiltrate the whole thing. Yeah. And I feel bad only saying, well, I'm going to, I think I talked about this, like, take the top eight and I'm going to take three and that's it. You know what I mean? Like, but that's kind of what we're doing with all the areas, right? We're kind of doing the same thing. So yeah. That is what it is. Um, of course. All right. Like I teased number 52 was another horse woman for me. And this is where I had Bailey. Yeah. I got her a bit higher. We talk about her next episode. Okay. Uh, my 52 is Shinsuke Nakamura. Okay. He was another guy I had. Uh, at 84, I had him. Yeah. I have a note to move him up, so I'll probably move him up a little bit, but he won't be this high. No, he might be a bit high for me when all is said and done. Um, yeah, I could, I could see him definitely dropping like at least a few places. Um, okay. Well, look, his number one, his main roster run is way longer than you think it is. Number one. Oh, yeah. Like, it's 2017 till now, and he's always at the top of the card, or very close, mm-hmm. right? Now, the, the the flaw is is that, like, he's Intercontinental Champion or U.S. Champion a, a lot, but he's just not focused on right. it all. But that being said, he's in a lot of great angles, and he's got, as much as that AJ Styles series is disappointing, I think if you rewatch it, you'll see that most of the matches are very good to great. It's just the expectations mm-hmm. were almost unfair. Um and I, he just, I don't know, there's, he's got that aura. There's a special superstar aura about him that, I mean, my kids, they were the, he was the first wrestler that my kids attached to. Um, even now with the whole Rick Boogs and everything like that. I think the big misstep is the, the Jinder Mahal feud in 2017, for whatever reason. Um, yeah. That's his main roster. And then, again, I'm going to just default back. That NXT run is freaking incredible, and I really believe that his match with Sami Zayn is is in the contention for like the great one of the greatest matches of all time in the company. Right? Yeah, you're big on that one. Yeah, and I, you know why? It's because I remember around that time in 2015, I got really into New Japan. Like I was really into, and and he was a big part of it. Like I he, at Wrestle Kingdom nine, he fought Kota Ibushi, and it still might be the best match I've ever seen, and like. I got really into him, and I think that match with Zayn is the closest match we ever got to New Japan Pro Wrestling in the WWE. Mm. And I, I and and I mean, there's a lot of intangibles to that too. I don't think it's just Nakamura. It's also Zayn's last NXT match. There's a lot of emotion there too. So there's actually a really nice blend of like the emotional storytelling of American wrestling versus the work rate. 
and I, and I think his his title run is is um, is underrated. He's got a great match with Balor. He's got a really great match with T.J. Perkins, which is kind of completely forgotten to time. And so it's just a special performer. So he's mm-hmm. going to move down, but he's got to be on my list. Yeah, I ended up moving him on mine. I don't think I had him. I didn't have him last time. You know, the AJ series hurts a little bit, right? But again, it's a guy that just has a ton of very, very good to borderline great, but it's almost disappointing in ways. Like we talked about DiBiase, where the disappointment sometimes hurts it, where you just expect a little bit more. I think think coming off that New Japan run and then some of the NXT stuff, expectations were just super high. And maybe they were unmatchable. Maybe maybe he never had a chance, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe it was just unattainable for him to get to that level of expectation he had, but I think that has hurt him a bit. Well, it's like AJ delivered on that expectation. He didn't. Correct. But then again, AJ was fighting John Cena and Roman Reigns when he first came up. And Nakamura is fighting uh, Jinder Mahal. Right. right? And and Dolph Ziggler. Now, those are not comparable. Right. I think the big mistake with Nakamura is is probably going with Jinder instead of him in that era. Like if you wanted to do, I, I guess they wanted, they really wanted to tour India, but like if you, thing, yeah. if you wanted a, like a good heel foreign champion, you had two better choices on the roster. I think you had Nakamura and you had Rusev. Yeah. I think Nakamura there, I think it was a missed opportunity this year too, not giving him, I know it was rumored at first he was going to fight Reigns at like backlash or whatever, but they could have done that. Maybe give him a big match on a, you know, non-big pay-per-view, but they never did that. Pat McAfee was a big part of reinventing him. <laughs> you yeah. could give him credit for that. You know, the, I think him dancing on the table and making a big spectacle of the entrance, like added, kind of rebounded him a bit. So it's funny how that works, eh? That it's the stupidest right. little things that boost the guy up. All right. My last one here tonight is number 51. And you mentioned him earlier. That is X-Pac, Sean Waltman. Oh, shit. All right. Uh, why do you have him high like that? Always have loved him. Big fan of his. He is a great worker. He's got the moments for sure. He's got a bunch of matches and he's a really good promo. I think what prevents him from going even higher is he's capped on all those. But his baseline to me is pretty high. So even when he's his stuff isn't popping at the highest level, it's still like got that high floor. So he may not be a Hall of Famer, but he's also not the worst guy on your team. He's very, very good. The run with Kane is great. Super over. Crowds are super into him. That held up for me big time watching 99 with him. Uh, he's got the big moment 98 when he makes the comeback, cuts the promo. Obviously, all the one, two, three kid Razor stuff still is great too early on. Fun match with him and Janetti as a team. I like him even into 95 with him and Razor right up as the heel turn. And God bless him. Like, he really tries to make that work <laughs> as, a, yeah. as a heel with DiBiase. Like, he's still working his ass off. Um, <clears throat> I, I think it's unfair, the X Pac heat nonsense. Like, I've never been a believer of that. Nope. And I think he was great up until the end, into uh, 01, yeah, in 02. Like he still got really high level stuff matches to Jiri and all that. I think 
and he's in that what no way out that four way he's great in that i think it sucks that he had the issues he had uh <laughs> substance abuse because it took a long time to get back on the radar but i saw him live in dallas and he can still go now this year for gcw and he's so young it's crazy that we lost such a big chunk of his potential prime like look at guys now and how old they are wrestling i mean he could have easily went like another 10 years worth of content on a major stage if he could have just had his shit together i think there was some burnout in wwe so maybe it wouldn't have been a continuous but could he have come back in like 0405 and picked it back up i think so well, even we were watching TNA in 2003, we were, yes. oh, two, we're really happy that he's there. Yeah, yeah, we <laughs> like him there. Um, yeah, I remember when I was watching 2001 for the year that was, every time he came out, I was happy. Yes. Like, oh, this is going to be good. Um, now, I, I agree on everything you say. That's all the reasons he's on my list, too. So uh, I, it's funny that this kind of worked out this way. Why wouldn't Nakamura be the sa- in the same position for you? Because... It sounds like exactly the same thing, except Nakamura's got the way bigger moments and probably the better matches. Sure. I think X-Pac, though, cannot be underlooked for his role in one of the biggest stables of all time during the hottest period of all time. Right. So DX, arguably the second biggest act in their biggest period ever. Right. And I think... Yes, Triple H is leading them, but he is the straw that stirs the drink in 98 into 99. I would, I would agree with that. I would agree with so that. So I think his, while Nakamura has bigger, maybe a couple of bigger moments, I think X-Pox mean more in 98, whether it's the nation skit, the tank, the comeback promo, like all that stuff is big. Kane, getting Kane to talk. Those are the super hot angles in the hottest period. Right. And he's a major player to the point where in, in late 99, he's in that four way for the number one contender. Or, you know, he's on the cusp of being a title world title guy. Like they get him that high. Is that the one with the acolytes and Kane? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it. It's just because the way you were describing him with like, you know, the baseline is this and he maybe mm-hmm. doesn't go above it. Like that actually really rang true to right. me with Nakamura. Like, yeah, I think so, I'm low on. I, I think I'm low on Nakamura. Okay. Again, it's just I'm not as up on his NXT stuff, which I'm not gonna be because we're not gonna get too many other, if any, NXT seasons in probably by the time we get to this for war. No. So, and that's the bulk of my prep right now through these all these podcasts. So, Ryan um, Ryan made a great point on he was doing um, him and Tyler the making the case. We're arguing uh, Nakamura against Regal. And he made a really interesting point for Nakamura in that, like, they kind of started touring Nakam- uh, NXT off Nakamura's back. And I thought that was really interesting, too. Like, it's like, I, I think if I think if you and I, when I say you, I don't mean you. I think if you really enjoyed that NXT period and it and it rejuvenated you to a certain degree, I think you might want to give a lot of these NXT guys another look for this list. Even though right. some of them might have been short term, because I think they did end up creating something special. But I'll definitely concede that yes, X Pac was definitely the most important member of DX. He, um, he, I think his defection to the WWF is like huge and almost a little underrated now that time has passed. Right? Like, he was he the he was like the first big one, right? Oh yeah, 
you know, and that, and the tide was already kind of turning, but he was the first big one to kind of come back and, it, and it talk gave, about, I mean, Jarrett kind of did in 97 where he did the promo, but that felt more self-serving. I don't know. It was weird, but the Xbox one on raw was a huge salvo the night after Tyson, the night after Austin undertaker Kane out comes Xbox, the rebirth of DX scathing promo. And he was a guy like you could argue Jarrett was not properly used in WCW at least, or not, pro- but he wasn't really in, in the top acts. Right. Right. Waltman was coming off being a key cog at the hottest angle and he's jumping. That should tell you, right? Yeah. He's leaving his friends behind in the hottest angle of wrestling to come back. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely deserves a shot on the spot on this list. Mm-hmm. All right. Last guy tonight, my number 51, uh, at last, he's on his own. Christian comes in at 51. Okay, I have him uh, a decent amount higher. Let's leave him for next time. But all is said and done. I, I'm going to just throw this out there. The more Edge wrestles, the better I think Christian is. <laughs> yeah. I can see that. And I miss, <laughs> I miss him. <laughs> And this is from, I remember last time we were doing this list, I shat all over Christian. Yeah, he, I mean, watching 11-12, oh, he was like a star there. I know he's great in 13. I think he is a big, a big driving force in the Edge and Christian team. I think he's great in 05. Um, yeah, I I mean, I have him. I'm, I have him the same as I had last list, and I had him top 30 last time. Okay, well, there we go. A little bit of a an appetite wetter for next time. Gosh, he's got so many big moments and matches. Yep. With all the TLCs and stuff. I mean, that that all counts, you know? Yeah, I guess those are hard to weigh because there's some guys that, like, kind of seem better than the others. But, yeah, like, you, ha- you have to give him a ton of credit for those. Right. So he's got all those moments and matches piled on top of then all his solo stuff. The Trish <laughs> turn. Like, you know, there's just a ton in there. And when he's given the opportunity, like, I, I don't want to just make – that's it. I don't want to make it just in a, a comparison to Edge, but when he's given mm-hmm. the opportunity, he kind of excels where Edge kind of falters a little bit. Also, when he was running ECW TV, he'd have like at least a great match every few. You know, he, he was yeah for a while. I think he was the best TV worker maybe in North America, right? Like you had that with Matt Hardy in ECW, one of those years in there. Or I mean, uh, SmackDown when my heart is uh, was like 07 or 08 or whatever, where he would just churn out these really solid TV matches every week, and then Christian did that in ECW. He was just having really damn good stuff every week, whatever it was like 2010 or whatever, um, or 09. I think it was 09 maybe. And then because is, is that what he's yeah he's fighting Swagger and stuff right in that yeah. stretch, and they have a really good match on pay per view him and Swagger. Is that Backlash 09? I think it is. I was there. I think it's Backlash 09. Him and Swag have a really good opener. Hmm. So. And he, and he can still go now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he had a legit great match last year with Kenny Omega. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and for him to be able to keep up with him is it's pretty telling. And he's great in TNA too. I, I just think historically he's underrated. Yeah, I agree. Um, it, it, I wish he had more opportunities. Like, I think that's what holds him back on my list is right. that ultimately – there's just too many times where he's just kind of relegated to the background. Yeah, his fault or not. 
again, I it, I think that background's not as far back as it may seem. No, I agree. But like, for instance, like, I mean, when, like I said before, my number 50 is Kofi, right? right? And like, I couldn't, I can't justify putting Christian ahead of Kofi. I have a decent amount ahead. No. But I have him in the mix. Like, I have guys higher than you do around Valentine, Tito, Martel. To me, Christian's like in that bucket. Mm. That level of guy. Like, the, the top the top of the bucket of guys that never were the biggest stars. Right. That's where he is for me up, up there. Mm. But I've always just been a big fan of his and nothing I've seen in watching back any of this stuff would make me feel different. No, he just needed better finishers. Did you do edge yet? Or you have edge ahead of him. I have edge ahead of him, but I, I, I struggle with edge because like for me, edge is like triple H. Like the, and I don't hate Edge the way I hate Triple H, but like I feel that, especially with his current run, I kind of feel like we're getting diminishing returns, and it's it's making his case harder to make here. I have Christian ten spot bad and I would say Edge is probably gonna drop. You think, eh? Well, oh seven oh eight. He's one of the guys to me that doesn't connect with guys that have enough better matches than others. When he gets in there with Batista, it's Batista's worst stuff in that stretch. The Taker stuff to me has been super disappointing. Oh, yeah, it's not fun. Super disappointing. I was looking forward to that series, and I'm through like four of the matches, and like none of them hit. Yeah, he's he's really miscast. And so, like, that's some of his big stuff. And then his comeback. Yeah. Then, all right. But, yeah, I, I think he's probably going to drop from some of the stuff I watched. Yeah, I could see Edge. So I have Edge higher now, but I could definitely see him dropping. Well, we'll get to all of that as we continue to dig through this list. Check out everything that's going on in the North-South Connection Podcast Network. New stuff dropping every single day. Uh, something for all your tastes. Thank you for, again for the continued support. You give it each and every show. Uh, leave us a review. Share our stuff. Let us know what we're doing right and wrong. Uh, we're always happy to converse with every single person that listens. So thank you so much. That'll do it. The Dookie's been dropped. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Uh, back on our world title change ranking project and then we'll be back in a month with the next installment of our G WWE list talk to you my mom's happy she ain't gotta pay the rent and she got a red bow on that brand new bench waiting on shot money to land sitting in the range thinking how they spent 30 million dollars on airplanes when his kids starving Pockets going to Brenda, still throwing babies in the garbage I wanna know what's going on like I hear Marvin No school books, they use that wood to build coffins Whenever I'm in the booth and I get exhausted I think, what if Marie Baker got that abortion? I love you, my dogs on top And I'm gonna shine, homie, until my heart stops Go ahead, envy me I'm Raps MVP And I ain't going nowhere, so you can get to know me Need the love of the underdogs on top And I'm gonna shine, homie, until my heart stops Go ahead, envy me I'm Raps MVP